All you have to do is look across one field to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone, with your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes. This is a very special edition today. With me, as usual, is Blake Froling. Hi, Blake. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Have you, uh, last time Mich- Michigan and Michigan State played each other, we were fairly certain one of us was going to die. I thought I was going to die from happiness today. I, I was pleasantly surprised with the performance. I thought we got a little bit lucky with Michigan not shooting as well as they normally do, which is just basically out of this world normally. I think having all of our players back really helped, especially uh, Brandon Dawson on Nick Stauskas. I don't know if you saw this, but near the end of the game, they showed Stauskas on the bench with like three cuts on his neck and on his arm. And I was just like, that's that's how you got to play defense on him. Yeah, you do. you got to get in his face, and hopefully he's going to miss some shots. Also with us this evening is Joe Marcus, one of our uh, staff writers here at The Impact. Joe, happy to have you with us. Joe is here, is recording his first podcast of all time. How has it been so far? It's been good. Happy to be here, Andrew. <laughs> what uh, what do you think of that game today? I thought it was a great game. I agree with Blake. I think Brandon Dawson was definitely the X factor. First two matchups, he was absent. I think that could have led to the losses. Having him here, having him at the game today was definitely a big difference. I think one thing that, that really struck me about First of all, I love, love, love the way that those teams that those teams go back and forth at each other because it's not it's it's it you can tell that that's real like they actually don't like each other and it is so much fun to watch. I think it was early in that first half when Brandon Dawson went up and just had a man's and one. He kind of looked at the uh, at the Michigan bench and just gave him a little bit of a flex. And I think I heard uh, Andrew Dockich whimper from my couch. <laughs> Um, but uh, let's let's get straight to what we came here for. It's Selection Sunday. Tomorrow is uh, opening round Monday. We get to see the first round games. I use that term extremely loosely. Um, I don't even know who who do we got first tomorrow. It's uh, tomorrow is Albany. No, not tomorrow. Oh no, there's no games tomorrow. Tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. We're supposed to celebrate. Um, so look. What's your guys' overall thoughts? First of all, we got Virginia, Wichita State, uh, Arizona, and Florida are the number ones. You guys think that's pretty much how it had to go? Yeah, I'm not really surprised by any of the number ones. Virginia was the fringe pick. Many thought Villanova, maybe Michigan, if they would have beaten Michigan State, could have jumped up there. But Virginia beating Duke, that was a very big win for them. A lot of people think Virginia was flying under the radar. Not many people really were paying attention to them, even in the preseason. I think they were picked to finish fourth in the ACC. So they're just having a phenomenal season. I think they are really deserving of the number one. I think uh, I, I like Virginia at number one. I don't think you – I think Michigan would have had a strong – Strong argument for it had they won today, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't. Wh- what did you think, Joe? Do you think they got that right? I think that I agree with all their picks for the number one seeds based off the stats and the schedule strength. But I think this year 
there's some weak number one seeds out there, and we could see some big upsets. Wichita State is the one that, and uh, and I've I've decided I'm I'm going all in on Wichita State. I'm not going to pick them as a Final Four team, but uh, <laughs> I I think they're that one team that because nobody thinks they can. Nobody thinks they're a good enough one seed, and I don't think they're like a Gonzaga last year. Gonzaga was – they had they struggled in their conference, but Wichita State just ran through theirs. And no matter what conference you play in, you got to – that's tough to, to stay healthy for the entire season to the point where your team wins every single game. And they had to grind out some of them, but that's, that's part of going undefeated. And obviously I don't think you can put them as a one overall – Florida, I think, definitely earned that with their with the way that they played this year. But um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's that, that was a tough one to uh, tough one to argue and and not. I, I, it's very rare that they uh, that they get that right. But I I don't see any other team that really has an argument for it. Maybe uh, not Louisville. Um, Maybe Kansas, but what do they have? Eight losses. I don't know about that. And yeah, I think uh, I think that's the team right there. Who who got shafted the hardest? I got to go with uh, Southern Methodist, Larry Brown's team. He had them playing so well all year. Had a couple bad losses throughout the year, but still, I thought he, they were deserving of a bid because with him with him coaching that team and bringing them from basically <coughs> mediocrity to one of the best teams in the American Conference, I think they would have had a shot to maybe upset uh, a couple teams in the tournament. But uh, they got shafted, as you said, and there's a video that's going viral of their reaction when they found out they didn't get into the tournament. I recommend you watch that. And uh, But the uh, NIT has them as the number one seed in their tournament, so you can just see how close they were to making the, the real dance. What about you, Joe? Whether it be in the bracket, team got seeded lower than they should have, team just did, missed the boat, what do you think? I think a team you definitely have to look at is the our Michigan State Spartans. Some people think they deserve better than a four seed. Some big wins in a real tough conference. They've been injury prone, and I guess they did take that into effect because you also look at a team like Kansas, who I think could have been a one seed if not for Joel Embiid getting hurt. I completely agree. I think that Joel Embiid really uh, that really hurt Kansas the most in their hopes for a one seed. I I said this as soon as once once I saw the top four. In Michigan State's bracket, that's uh, Virginia, Villanova, and uh, who's that three seed? Iowa State. As soon as I saw that, I thought, "All right, well, it stinks that Michigan State got ranked a four seed, especially after what they did today, and especially what they did in the tournament." I don't understand how they can not just win the 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 turn the yeah the the conference tournament for the Big Ten, but run away with it. They put it on Michigan today. Northwestern, they did exactly what they should have done against Northwestern, but then for uh, and then to do what they did against Ohio State, who looked so good uh, towards the end of the year, and you know just the Aaron Kraft factor. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I thought it was a very impressive, and I thought that it should have been indicative of what Michigan State can do now that they have everybody healthy and everybody gelling the way that they are i don't think they deserved any higher than probably a two or three seed um i don't understand how iowa is a playing game i know that they choked so hard late in the season but i really thought that that i don't 
I don't see them being equal with Tennessee. No, but Tennessee, they're they're a very inconsistent team. I looked over their schedule. They have some pretty good wins, but also some just mind-boggling losses at the same time. So they're a good matchup. That's going to be a very good playing game. I, I think really Iowa got the uh, short stick with that one, just trying to get into the field of 64 really uh, is one of the toughest tests out there. But if they do advance past Tennessee, I do see Iowa with a strong chance of uh, upsetting UMass. I think they got a favorable position that way if they can get past Tennessee. So, yeah, they did They did choke pretty hard near the end, but I don't think that was worthy of them dropping all the way down to an 11 because they were still – like number 23 going into the Big Ten tournament. So to drop that far, I don't really see that as a possibility. I mean, that's being 11 seed, that means that they almost didn't make the tournament. Going back to what you were saying, Andrew, with uh, Michigan State, I mean, they're a four seed, but if you look at the early bracket trends on ESPN.com, they're picked second uh, over Florida. Florida's the most popular pick, and then MSU after that to win it all. All five ESPN experts also picked MSU to win it all, so they may be a four, but I think a lot of people have their hopes on MSU and have them going far in the dance. I think it's going to be... Uh, I think Michigan State definitely has a very easy road. Um, you do worry about that buzzsaw in North Carolina sitting at a sixth seed in the east um, in Michigan State's region. It's It's one of those things, and it's I'm worried about North Carolina for the same reason that I'm not worried about playing Florida. Because as stupid as it sounds and as ridiculous as it is, Michigan State doesn't play well against UNC, and it doesn't matter how well they're clicking. It's almost like the Michigan game where you can just throw out any all-pass stats and you kind of just have to hope that the Michigan State team that has played in these other games will play the the way that they're capable. I think it's it's really tough to call. Um but you really like their opportunity. I think uh, I don't know a lot about Virginia, but um, I, I know that they they I think they really played themselves to that one seed by beating Duke today. Um, whenever you beat Duke, you're gonna get you're gonna get recognized. So uh, not real surprising there. What uh, Joe? Who's your Who's your team? What's the uh, highest seed you think can make it to the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight? The highest seed I got making it to the Sweet 16 is I think Nebraska at number 11. Nebraska is a team that, although they got a tough matchup with Baylor and then may possibly cry in the next round, they got, I mean, we've seen them in the Big Ten. They got some big wins in the Big Ten. They can get far if played well, get great momentum. I'd, uh, I'm interested, I'm really interested to see what Providence does against North Carolina. I know North Carolina is big and athletic and a whole lot better than a lot of people or than they've played. They have a lot of potential. They, they're they the Michigan State without the excuses of injuries. They just haven't put it together. I Every single time I watch a game, I say to whoever I'm watching with, isn't James Mike shouldn't James Michael McAdoo be better than he is because you look at the guy and he's a monster he's a mammoth human being but he's always in foul trouble he's he's very he's very very inconsistent and then you put that together with the fact that their free throw shooting is is a hazard to that team it's bad it's so bad and it's painful and it almost doesn't make any sense when you watch it it that they just go on these streaks where it's un it's it's impossible for him to hit shots. Um, what about you, Blake? Who's your uh, who's your sleeper? Uh, look at it. 
in the South region, number 12, Stephen F. Austin. The Lumberjacks haven't lost since November, and they play in a pretty weak conference. But I still think, you know, when you look at potential upsets, you got to look at who's hot and who had to play the hardest to get into the tournament. And if they would have lost even one game in their conference tournament, they probably wouldn't have even made it in the first place. And they're going up against VCU, a five seed. We always know the 12 fives are always the ripest you know, matchups for the upset. And VCU lost today to St. Joe's in the A-10 tournament, which also shows maybe, you know, there's a couple chinks in the Shaka Smart's armor. So I really like the hot Stephen F. Austin. And also going up if they win that matchup and UCLA moves on, that's another matchup where I think Stephen F. Austin, if they if they stay hot and they score like they can, I think they can p- get past UCLA as well. There's there's definitely some, some soft spots in this uh in this bra- in these in this bracket, um, I think uh, I'd like to see what the, what the Lobos from New Mexico State can do if they can get through San Diego State. Uh, they'd play Oklahoma or North Dakota State, and then uh, probably Arizona. But I, I'm always worried about Gonzaga. It, it doesn't matter. It just seems like they're one of those teams that that, that uh, Mark Few just gets them going when it comes tournament time and. Uh, and they're always kind of a pain in the butt. And it's interesting. It, I haven't watched a whole lot of Arizona today. I know they're they're another big physical team, but but uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Or I mean, even Okie State that that team can t- can give Arizona a run too. So it'll be uh, definitely a lot of a lot of opportunities for um, one team to. To kind of go on a run because of the the past that are that are grooved in here. Um, what do you guys what What do you think uh, Western Michigan's chances against the old uh, Qs are? Um, as much chances the three of us going against three of their players. <laughs> uh, I really don't see Western Michigan. I mean, I, they can they could hang around for the for a half, but do you really think they could go against uh, that vaunted? zone defense of Syracuse. I mean, you're 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 stepping up to the big boys. And we have seen some 215 upsets once in a great while. Duke lost one year, Mizzou lost one year, but this is definitely not one of those places. And they're oh, this is a 314 anyway. Yeah. So no. No <laughs> chance, sorry. I th- what what do you got on that one, Joe? I I I kind of have to agree. I don't think Western's yeah. got a whole big big shot there. I think I agree with Blake. I mean, just when you look at the conference difference i mean i don't think they have a chance especially against that zone when this western michigan scene is zone like that it's gonna be hard for them i'm sure they'll be practicing against one all week but i don't like their chances i have trouble picking i really like that backcourt at syracuse too that uh tyler ennis and uh cj fair tyler ennis is a monster and the fact that he's a freshman is ridiculous and uh, i'm really excited to see how far he can progress um in the next couple in the next year because uh, he has he has some clutch shots and even at uh even in the conference tournament when they missed about 18 in one possession there's the clock ran out that was uh that was fun and uh that that Q's team is fun to watch but they will they'll fall asleep sometimes they'll they'll have games where uh um where they just struggle good matchup after that if one Syracuse beats Western Michigan which we all assume and hopefully Ohio State can take down Dayton I mean that's a good matchup right there at 6-3 Ohio State I mean they got some good Big Ten experience but I think Syracuse will move on there as well 
But when you look at that matchup, though, you got two teams that play excellent defense, but sometimes are offensively challenged. So I could see the first one is sixty winning that game, and that that could be very interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State moved on. That Ohio State Dayton game. That as soon as they announced that, I thought I'm really interested to see how that one goes because I I haven't looked at Dayton's roster, but those are two. That's an in-state. Uh, battle i won't i don't want to call it a rivalry because i don't think there's much of one but you would have to assume that some of those dayton guys got passed over by ohio state in state and that's one of those things that you know you can't really put that on paper but you got to imagine that those guys are coming out with a chip on their shoulder saying that 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 they want to prove why ohio state should have looked at them and uh i don't know if that holds a lot of water but it's always something to think about um dayton's been uh dayton's been playing Against a lot of Ohio uh, high school guys their whole life, and Ohio State guys got that guy recruited by Ohio State, like you said, and they said when they got picked that that's a matchup that Dayton's been Dayton's been waiting for. They've been trying to schedule that matchup for years, yeah. and they're very happy, I'm sure, with that draw because they have big potential to prove themselves in the state. It's kind of like uh, it's almost like when uh, not not entirely, but when you get an Adrian Payne or a Gary. Ha- Adrian Payne playing Ohio State or Gary Harris playing either Purdue or Indiana, they just step their game up that much more, and it's very, very clear. Um, so let's uh, let's hear what you guys got for your final fours. All right, Blake, for my, I'll let you go first. For my final four in the South region, I have Florida moving on, the overall number one seed. The times that I've watched them, they're just dominant no matter who they play. And in the West, uh, this was a tough one. I I wanted I wanted to put Creighton here for the Final Four, but if if McDermott just has one game where his <coughs> shot is off, I don't think Creighton has enough offense around them to be able to pick up that slack and beat a top caliber team like an Arizona and possibly uh, uh, Wisconsin. So I have Arizona moving on to the Final Four in that region, and in the Midwest, I have the four seed Louisville. Uh, going to the Final Four, won the national championship last year, so they have the experience, and they are extremely hot. They just absolutely dismantled UConn in the American tournament by about 40. So when you when you see that, and UConn's no slouch, they're a seventh seed uh, with one of the top point guards, Shabazz uh, <coughs> Napier, hit there. So I, I, like to, I like to pick the hot teams in March, and I'm going to go with Louisville there. And in the East, uh, Michigan State, it's not biased. A lot of people are picking them. Uh, we were talking about in the beginning of the year how just looking at this roster, it was one of the most skilled and dominant rosters in all of the country. And it finally is coming to fruition starting in the Big Ten tournament, which is a great tune-up for the big dance, playing those back to or no back-to-backs in the tournament, luckily. So they looked a little bit sluggish at times. But Michigan State, they're also hot. They're playing well. So I have them moving on. What do you got, Joe? For me in the South, I got Syracuse. In the West, I have Arizona. I think those are two teams that, from the beginning of the season, they've been top one, two in the rankings. They've been on everyone's radar, and I think that I've, they've proven to me that these are deep teams that can make a long run in the tournament. In the Midwest, I have Duke. I mean, Duke's a team that, with a guy like Jabari Parker, I just think he's going to take over in some of these games and really prove why he's the number one pick in the NBA draft. And then in the East, I got Michigan State. Not being biased again, but I think Michigan State has what it takes. I think they definitely have the most bench power off 
And Izzo is always the best coach in March, so he's done it before. And I think similar to 2000, we get back there and hopefully make a good run. It, it's a shame that we can't just pick Michigan State <clears throat> because we actually think that they're the best team bec- without sounding biased. Because I I don't see Michigan State – I don't. I'm not scared of anybody in that bracket, with the exception of North Carolina for purely just – magical reasons um so yeah i've got michigan state coming out of the east i've got florida out of the south um i just they've looked so good and also patrick young scares the heck out of me so i don't want to pick against him or he might come find me um but i i I think florida played a, a very tough schedule um syracuse certainly did as well but with this whole conference shuffling around, I think that's really hurt the the Big East and the American Conference. You've t- you took a a very strong, respected conference and you kind of split it up a little bit, and it just seems very diluted. And I know that they added teams to to reinforce it, but I just don't I don't see that uh, I don't see them. Plus, they have to go through some some tests, and if I don't know that they can beat Kansas because Kansas is is so big and and have they said if is is Embiid for sure not playing in he, the tournament? they say he might play next weekend not this coming weekend okay possibly well you kind of have to imagine that uh New Mexico New Mexico could be a tough matchup for him right there that's assuming they can get past Stanford I was like those 7-10 games um so yeah, I got Florida coming out of the south out of the west I went with Arizona just and I I couldn't pick Creighton because I every I haven't I can't properly scout Creighton because I just keep watching Dougie McBuckets every single time that that game's on and and I yeah I I can't I can't put enough confidence in Creighton um, especially when they might have to go through the likes of Nebraska who is an absolute buzzsaw right now and then out of the Midwest oh and also please nobody pick Wisconsin it's for your own good. Um, Bo Ryan has this fantastic ability to just disappear in March. Uh, he has the same uh, itis that Bill Self and uh, um, Tom Crean have, and uh, it's it's fascinating because those guys put together teams that are that seem unbeatable, and Bill Self gets away with it a lot because he's such a fantastic cheat recruiter. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I I can't pick Wisconsin. That would be the only other the other the only other choice that I I would go with out of that. Even though I do think Arizona could fall early, um, I can't go with Wisconsin just due to coaching. And then out of the Midwest, I'm gonna go with Louisville. Or no, yeah, I'm gonna go with Louisville. Picking my entire bracket here. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think Michigan's gonna make me eat my words on that one because. The one thing that concerns me about Michigan, and we saw this today, and I think this is something this is something that I've never thought about um, while watching college basketball. You saw today just how tired these guys get because they're not used to playing. And I know it's different in the tournament. There's a little bit more spacing, but still, they're not used to playing these quick turnaround games, especially in the Big Ten tournament. You saw that with the dead legs, everything, with the exception of whatever the heck Adrian Payne was throwing at the hoop. Just about everything was short from everybody today. And I think that's a that's a major issue that you have with Michigan because we saw today, if you have one halfway decent post defender, 
they don't have an answer down down low. They're just fine with chucking it up from outside because <clears throat> and the thing that's crazy is that when they actually went inside against Michigan State today, they scored some buckets. They were able to manipulate the man, the big men and uh, and get some some drives and some kicks, but I don't know that that's something that they're comfortable doing because some of their guys, GR three especially, where the heck was he today? Uh, let me. See. I think I should have. Yeah. So, GR three. I think Chris Solari tweeted this during the game, and it absolutely blew my mind. GR3 had six points in 31 minutes of play today, two for eight shooting. Kenny Kaminsky guarded him for a lot of the game. I think I could do six points with Kenny Kaminsky guarding me. That's, and I don't know, maybe Kaminsky has been in the gym for the past two months and just working his butt off playing defense, but GR3 didn't even look interested in challenging him. Mm-mm. It was, I mean, Glenn Robinson the third. They're saying he could be a first round pick in the draft this year. But after seeing that game, or really not seeing him at all, I I don't know. He's 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 been an up and down player. I think in my mind, all his or his two years at Michigan. At times he's looked just absolutely phenomenal, uh, like a little bit like his dad, and other times he looked like the little dog. So I mean, you don't really know what you're going to get from Robinson. And I think if Michigan wants to go far, they really need him to be able to step up and make shots. I think a lot of this tournament dep- for Robinson depends a lot on his draft stock. I mean, it can hurt, help or hurt big time. They said last year he could have gone pro, and he didn't, and I thought he made the right decision, but I haven't seen much improvement this year. He's kind of, yeah, it's, and that's the thing, like you said, Blake, is he's so spotty because there are some games where he can turn it on and take it over, but today he didn't seem willing to do that or interested, and that's that's not something that you want, especially when you need somebody like him who can play kind of a Brandon Dawson type role, a slasher cutter, and then can post up on smaller guys. Um, I just don't understand how how you put in that kind of performance when you've had Kenny Kaminsky and Russell Bird on you for prolonged amounts of time. And that's you know, I'm not trying to be <coughs> trying to be disparaging to those two, but they're not good defenders, and I think just about everybody will agree to that. So it's it's very bizarre. But uh, but there's uh, there's just a lot of moving around in this bracket. The one team I think Minnesota should have made it. I, I think they were the one bubble team that I really would have liked to see get in, and that might just be my Big Ten bias and that I saw what Minnesota could do and what the, uh, what the Hollins brothers, who aren't brothers, could do. Um, it's... Uh, I, I would have liked to see him in at, at a maybe a thirteen or twelve seed, just for the for what they showed. Especially, I I really like that point guard Matthew. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch, even though he is undersized. He is fast as heck. Um, who are some other? I know you, uh, Blake. You had already talked about SMU. Who who are some other teams that probably could have made it in? <coughs> well, other than SMU, a couple people were talking about Green Bay out of the Horizon League. They had a phenomenal record this year, lost in their conference tournament to UW-Milwaukee, who didn't even have a winning record in their conference in the regular season. So it was probably the main reason why they didn't make it. Otherwise, I think they they had a fantastic record, didn't play very many in the AP Top 25, which is another knock on those small schools. But then again, that's their conference they play in. I mean, if you're going to judge them, giving them, I think they had 26 wins at least, 
and they don't get in. But then you say Wichita State deserves a one seed in their conference where there's not that uh, much talent at all. I think that's kind of a double standard there, and I think Green Bay should have definitely made it. Also, Southern Miss had a strong case. They had another very good record, but just couldn't get it done in their tournament. What do you have, Joe? Anybody I, in particular? I agree with Blake. I think Southern Miss was the big team for me that got snubbed by the tournament. Um, I think they had some good, really good backcourt there, and I see a lot of times in the tournament, a team with a good backcourt can really, really make a big, a deep run. I mean, a team like UConn that won two years ago. I mean, they had such a great backcourt, and having a great backcourt really helps you control the flow of the game in the tournament. Yeah, I think. Yeah, those the, there were a couple teams that I saw. Uh, I don't remember the list that they had, but there were a couple that were in the RPI, in the top 60 for RPI, and, and didn't make it in. It's it's always interesting to me um, how they decide those because it, it seems like uh, RPI should play a huge factor, and if you're playing, if your RPI says you're in the top 60 in the nation, then that would usually equate to you should be in the tournament. And I understand that with the AQs and, and stuff like that, that that changes things. But it's especially, I think, SMU was one that a lot of people thought they uh, they would for sure be in, but they didn't really. Uh, yeah, that was that was a surprising one for me. Um, what, uh, what do you guys think of this Delaware team? I know I've never seen them play basketball before. Um, they, they beat William & Mary pretty soundly. Not soundly at all. That was a close game. <laughs> um, what what's their mascot? I want to call them the Chicken Hawks because they're because their picture it's, the it's blue the hens. Corn hen, the blue hens, yeah. <laughs> the blue hens against the Spartans. That'll be a good one. They got a big win against Villanova. You look at the fifth game of the season. They beat Villanova. I know it was early, but Villanova got a two seed. I mean, any team that you beat that's a two seed in the tournament, you gotta have some fear for. They played a halfway decent halfway decent uh, non-conference schedule. They played uh, OSU, lost by 12 to them. Um, played Notre Dame, lost by 5 to them. This does not. This is not a bad-looking team. Um, I don't – size-wise, just looking at their roster, they don't have anybody that's really going to overpower or dominate Michigan State. they got a couple guys that are six foot nine, but so does Michigan State. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they can be stopped if Brandon Dawson keeps playing the way that he plays. Um, you think Adrian Payne checked out against Ohio State. I don't think he looked – he didn't look like he wanted to play. I don't know what – you know, he got a couple early fouls that were stupid fouls. They were just not smart plays. And Brandon Dawson was the big man for that pretty much that whole game. And the fact that he's willing to take those mid-range jump shots and I said, how – how much is the entire nation pissing down their leg, peeing down their leg, eh, pissing down their leg? It's the it's the internet. Um, how how bad is that? When because then how are you going to guard him? Because you don't want to you don't want to guard him close. You can't guard him tight because he'll he'll go past you and then over you. And then I am always astonished watching Brandon Dawson play basketball. His ability to just work on the boards and his springs are unbelievable and it's it's fascinating to watch and I think he's he's the difference for Michigan State right now yeah I I completely agree with you there 
Andrew. And the, the problem is he's a real matchup nightmare on defense. He's only six foot six, I think. And if you put a smaller guy like that would be the same height as him, he's just going to out rebound you and post you up. But if you put on a big man, he could still probably out rebound you. And if you try to play defense on him, he's just going to go right around you. So there's really no way to guard him. But the the traditional way earlier in the season before his injury, they would just keep him out of the paint as much as possible and let him take any jump shot he would, which he usually wouldn't shoot at all. But what I've seen that's very encouraging was that he's willing to take those elbow jump shots, and he's been actually knocking him down at a, a fairly consistent rate now as opposed to what he was in the past couple of years even uh, where he wouldn't shoot anything outside of the paint. So I think that's really encouraging to see, and if he can keep that going, that's just another dimension of his game that's just going to make him even more dangerous. I think I agree with Blake. For the defense-wise, I mean, he's a hard matchup to He's a hard matchup on anyone. He can shut down a lot of guys. But um, I think with the offense, as Blake said, his shot has really improved. And his shot used to be more of a line drive. And I think now, since when he broke his hand or wrist, he had to practice a lot of time shooting with one hand. And his shots got softer. He's using his legs more. Seems like it's not just rattling around the rim. It actually has some touch. Um, I think it's, Brendan Dawson is the X factor in this tournament. And I think we've been saying that since day one. All MSU reporters, the team will go as he goes. Same with, I think, Appling. Appling's got to take over some leadership. This is his last run at the tournament. I'm happy to see what he can do. Appling, he's been kind of quiet for the Big Ten tournament, scoring-wise. I know he was in double figures yesterday because uh, all of all of Michigan State starters were in double figures against Ohio State. Today he only had seven points, but they needed, especially against Michigan, and I think this is true. Um, they don't. I don't think they need him to be a big scorer. I think they need him to be almost an Aaron Kraft type, to where just go hard to the hole. And if you've got, we've seen he split those defenders today against Michigan. He had that behind that behind the back, uh, split the defenders to that sweet finger roll. That was that was one of several moments during that game where I just. My jaw dropped. It it was impressive, and that's what they need from him. Is they need that ball handling ability. They need they need that slashing ability. They need him to penetrate, so that he can open up the shooters and the big men, who have, who have really turned it on of late. And the other thing that you love about Brandon Dawson is his efficiency. Of course, a lot of it is because he's finishing around the hole and it's tip-ins and it's you know layups after or putbacks after a rebound, but. He's, he went 7 of 8 today. I think he went better than 75% shooting yesterday. It's what he, the difference that he makes on this team is so pronounced. And it's something that you forgot about because he was gone for so long. It didn't make any sense to, to me at least, that one guy could make this big a difference. But his athleticism, and he's been going at it. He hasn't had those games where he takes long stretches off. He's been going 100%. For the past week, and I think that that is really the biggest thing for him is he, if he cannot have that GR three condition where he just takes stretches off and goes and stands in a corner. That's really where this Michigan State team is going to take off. Um, what was the other thing I was going to talk about? Oh goodness! I think, uh, we'll, I go think, for it. I think I agree with you, Andrew, with uh, Dawson. This is really his coming out party. I mean, for a guy that's so athletic, I mean. I'm not, I'm not going to say for sure because I don't want him to go, but 
if he can, if MSU can make a run to the Final Four, and Dawson really is the big tra- game changer in these games, he can get a look at for some uh, to get drafted. I mean, with all that athleticism, you don't know. I still think because the way the NBA is played right now, and it's so much about shooting, you see with a guy like, I think Brandon Dawson would be better off, stay one more year, get that jump shot really good to go, and I know he might get hurt, but you see the importance of a jump shot. Think about a guy like Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin has been an all-star pretty much since he's been in the league, but He's great this year, and the reason for that is he has a jump shot. And I th- I think that's something that he will for sure get some looks. Don't get me wrong. There's, But I think in the best interest of his game, and if he wants to really be polished and, and well-rounded and ready to, to play as soon as he gets into the NBA, I think that's what he, he should come back another year. Um, the other question, and this is something that's been coming up recently, what are your guys' – put a percentage on Gary Harris staying, Blake? Uh, 10%, 10%. That's, that's the size I can go. <laughs> Joe? I think I go lower at 7%. I mean, last year I think he had – he. I think he watched as everyone got drafted. He watched uh, Trey Burke really get drafted in that, one of those lottery picks early in the draft, and I think he a little shrug in his head there that he didn't go pro, and I don't think he makes the same mistake. I I think before before the Big Ten Conference Tournament, I would have said there's maybe a 20% chance that he comes back, which I think that's even a little bit generous because he's pretty much been ready to go since since the beginning of the year. Uh, a lot of people thought he should have gone last year. I think he made the right decision to come back because his game really does look polished and, and ready to go. His ability to come off the dribble – and and hit pull up jump shots and fadeaways, that's really what has taken his game to the next level. And I just don't see any way that he would come back, especially if Michigan State can make a run. Then there's there's really no reason for him to come back, which would be a shame. But the, I hope he comes back for purely selfish reasons. But I think also with the shoulder injury, with Harris, yeah. he's I mean. When you can take your money, I think you got to go grab it. Harris is a guy that's very injury-prone, and he's been healthy right now, so who knows in the future. I'd uh, I'd be interested to see what Adrian Payne's draft stock is like right now because he's been, he's been kind of off and on, and I know a lot of it might have to do with some of this off-the-court stuff that they've been dealing with with uh, um, the U.S. Department of Education, I think that's who came in and about the sexual assault charges, and I haven't been following that real closely, but from what I've heard, it's kind of a nasty business, and uh, we'll see. I don't know if that's if that's really having a big effect on him. It's something that uh, Izzo has been reluctant to talk about. Blake, when you and I were at that game, uh, Blake and I forget what game we were covering. It might have been uh, Illinois. Yeah, I think it was Illinois. Um, Tom Izzo was mentioning some off-the-court stuff, and Blake and I looked at each other like, what is he talking about? And then one of the reporters <coughs> asked him, and that was a bad idea. But mm. um, Yeah, it's it's something that I think is, is kind of weighing on him, but you like when he plays the way that he played today and said, and that's what I think really was the difference between Michigan State today, and but they still fell into that hole where why why they didn't need to take 17 three-pointers. 
I don't understand, especially with the way straight off the bat, Adrian Payne just goes to work down low and in 90 seconds picks up three fouls on Michigan's two big men. They had to bring in that big, goofy white boy. What the Beal heck was Beal felt. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, he was... That was like throwing fresh meat to the Lions. Good <laughs> Lord. And that was that was a weird thing. I don't know if you guys noticed that. As soon as he came in, and I know they're trying to get Adrian Payne some some rest, but I would have liked to see Payne stay in and just go to work against Bielfeld because I think he could have gone for a lot more than eighteen if if he's if he's playing for that long. Yeah, well, I think going back to back to back, you really got to worry about his energy yeah. in the second half. That was, you know, five minutes into the game. So I think if they would have done that and there was about ten minutes left in the game uh, and they had to bring Bielfels in, Payne would have absolutely destroyed him. But but so early in the game, you just kind of have to pick your battles and uh, figure that with Bielfels, he's not going to hurt you on the offensive end himself. I mean, we saw that he took a three-pointer, and it was... That was awesome. It was... <laughs> I, was I was shocked. I, they said he shot like 15 times the whole season, and uh, that was one of them. So so they, so they Izzo knew he wasn't a threat on the offensive side, so they didn't need to worry about bringing in a lesser defender of Costello. So I think that's it was probably a good decision to take him out. Uh, let's go back to the tournament here, guys. I'm just looking at this, and I see... A lot of interesting matchups in that round of 32 against some of the one seeds. I'm looking at the South right now, and I think when Florida wins that game, the winner of Colorado-Pittsburgh puts up a good matchup with them. You go to the West, you see uh, Arizona wins, and I think Oklahoma State beats Gonzaga. But either way, that's another good matchup with an 8 or 9 against the 1. Another good matchup with an 8 or 9 against the 1 is the winner of Kentucky-Kansas State against Wichita State. What do you guys think about some of those games? I think you could see some big upsets there. I'm, like I said, I so just want to buy into Wichita State. <laughs> hasn't been proven, therefore I'm going to go with the name that I know. But I really do think, because I, I, I don't think people remember, Wichita State was a Final Four team last year. And, is, and, is, and I'm not saying that this isn't going to be a good game. I think Kentucky or Kansas State could, well, I think that's the game that you have to circle on your if you want to know just how screwed up your bracket's going to be, watch that game. Because if Wichita State can put in, I'm I'm envisioning Wichita State somehow just comes out and just blows the doors off either one of those teams. How many people are going to say, "Oh my God, this team is going to be dangerous"? Because that's the that's that's all that it would take. It would take one quality beatdown of a team who people know. Because I think that's the that's the fear right now, is I if you just ask somebody casual fan who doesn't really look hard into this stuff, who are you going to take Wichita State, Kentucky, Kentucky every single day of the week and twice on Sunday, just because you know that name, I'm I'm going I'm going with Wichita State. I I think they could be an Elite Eight team. I think they will be an Elite Eight team because. <laughs> This team, they I know they lost some guys after last year, but what I, I don't see them, I don't see them as that unproven as a lot of people want want to say. Well, I think it's just because of their soft schedule. I think St. Louis finished the year outside of the top twenty-five, which meant that they had no wins in the top twenty-five. Yet they were number two in the nation. But like you said, look at look at them last year. They were. 
probably not as good as they are this year, and they made it to the Final Four as a seven seed. So I don't see uh, the big deal with them being so unproven. But I think they just have such a tough matchup after Kentucky if they can get through that, which I think they will because I don't know how the freshmen will play under the bright lights. Uh, moving on, they'd have to play Louisville next if they can survive uh, against St. Louis. And Louisville is very hot. They're experienced. Russ Smith running the point. He's dangerous. He's going to be a uh, draft pick next year. So I think that could be their biggest test. But if they get past Louisville, I, I don't know who could, would be able to stop them after that. I mean, I think that uh, Wichita State going up against Kentucky, I'm going to say Kentucky beats Kansas State. With that matchup, I com- I disagree with you guys. I think Kentucky wins that matchup. The reason why is because Kentucky's got all these four- and five-star big recruits and Wichita State playing in a weak conference. How many times do they get to- do they have to go up against a guy like Randall, who's just a beast on the boards? And then I think Kentucky wins that game, and then I think I see an interesting matchup with Louisville against Kentucky. I mean, two Kentucky schools, that matchup. I think Kentucky's got a chance to bring it to the uh, Elite Eight there. My thing with Kentucky is, and this is something that I always look at, and I think this is this is one of the reasons that Tom Izzo is so good in March. I want a team who's been there before. And this is my only concern with Kentucky. I know that they've got just freakish athletes, fantastic athletes. And we saw that against Michigan State. But it it comes down to if I've got a team that's good and and well put together and they've been playing together and they've been there before. I think that's that's my biggest reason for Wichita State is they've been there before. They've done this. Kentucky, you're dealing with 18, 19-year-old kids that have never been on this big a stage before probably except in their AAU runs maybe. But – I I have a I have a tough time picking against Wichita State even though my heart wants to go with Kentucky be, just because it's Kentucky but that 8-9 matchup of Kentucky and Kansas State I think is going to be one heck of a game and uh St- staying in that region I think a another interesting game you got to take a look at is the playing game between NC State and Xavier those are two teams that Xavier's proven themselves in the tournament again and again. And NC State always has some big wins. They play in a tough conference. They always play Duke well. I mean, Duke's a big, I think, can make a big run in this tournament. And they played them well this year, both games. I think they can make a run and possibly beat St. Louis. St. Louis is a team that lost to um, Duquesne. And uh, Jim Ferry's the coach of that team. I mean, he said it himself. He said that St. Louis, I mean, they matched up well with them, and for a team like Duquesne to match up well with St. Louis, I think if NC State can beat Xavier, they can win that game. I'm, uh, I think, man, uh, SLU is an interesting one to me. I can't pick them. I, I don't know. I've, I've never thought of that team as being real dominant. Um, I know this is the second or third year in a row. I mean, they, they make the tournament pretty frequently. Um, but I've just never, never had a whole lot of faith in them. Maybe it's just because they're from St. Louis. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could see NC State or Xavier giving them giving them a run. I'm so confused by Duke. I I can't. I I don't know what to do with them because they at times are 
unbelievable. And that's certainly, I'm glad that Michigan State could only meet them in the national championship because that's another team that I just hate having to play Duke, and I hate just the possibility of it. I remember, I think, three, four or five years ago, they played them in the tournament, and Michigan State won. And I thought that was pretty much the greatest day ever. I couldn't couldn't believe that they pulled that one off. Last year, they, they got that early exit from Duke. So Yeah. I mean, yep. Oh, that's right. They yeah. remember that. So Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Duke is a tough one, and, and I think Michigan could could go on a little bit of a run there. I would love to see a Michigan-Iowa matchup in that Sweet 16 just for for Big Ten dominance. How many Big Ten schools do you think make it to the Elite Eight? I don't know. I I think in that Midwest region, I don't think anybody may get to the Elite Eight because I I have Michigan going to the Sweet 16 and getting knocked out by Duke. So I don't think that's going to happen. None in the West or in the South. uh, And then Michigan State making it. Uh, in the east other than that i don't i don't think so i mean i think your next best chance would be after michigan would be wisconsin uh but they're so uh they've had a rough patch during this season where they've underachieved at times and other times they've been a lot of people's final four favorites as well so you just don't know what you're going to get with them especially now that they're for once in their history of their school they're an offensive team so that's a little bit different for Bo Ryan team. So I don't know. They have a tough matchup with an Oregon team that started off the year really hot, and they have some good wins. And then they'd have to go against Creighton if they can move on. So I don't see them surviving. I think um, in the South, I don't see anything as well. In the East, obviously, I have Michigan State as the team, the the Big Ten team making the Elite Eight. I think in the West is where you see the most, uh, the biggest chance for the Big Ten. I think Nebraska and Wisconsin will both meet in the round of 16, as I think Nebraska will take down Crichton, and I think Wisconsin can take down BYU, and I, that's a great matchup right there. And then in the Midwest, I don't see anything in the Elite Eight for me. I think Michigan could, I'm looking at the upset of Texas over Michigan early. I, the My biggest problem that I, I have so much trouble picking, you know, like a Texas-Michigan game because, quite honestly, I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, but I don't watch nearly enough, you know, Big 12, ACC, any of that. I don't watch it closely enough because it's it's not something that I'm generally concerned about until right now. Um, but I, I could see Michigan. Michigan lives or dies by their jump shooting, though. That's one thing that I think that'll kill you in the tournament. And we saw it today. You you have a bad night shooting, you're done. And that's why I think I think Michigan could do it if their shooting can be what it has been all year and really what has driven them. Um, but you you look at, at like today, you have Nick Nick Stauskas going four for fourteen from the field. That's not going to cut it, and especially when you have the liability of their big men really don't perform at a high, high level. Um, It's tough to say. One thing that I want to ask you guys real quick. Oh, by the way, I'll give you my my Elite Eight thoughts. Michigan could. I think Michigan State will. I would love to see Ohio State make a run. I really would, just because it would really mess some people up, and it would show that that, uh, Michigan State that the Big Ten is really that good that 
that Ohio State at a six seed could could go on a tear, but I think that's that second round matchup against Syracuse or third round, if you want to label your brackets that way, um, <coughs> third round matchup against Syracuse. That's that's the biggest roadblock for them. I think that's that's why I wouldn't put them in the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. Um, and like I said, I just can't I can't pick Bo Ryan. It's the same reason that I I picked against Tom Crean in the Big Ten uh, tournament. I don't think they're effective as I don't think they're effective in-game coaches, and I think Bo Ryan uh, struggles mightily in-game making adjustments. Um, it's uh, it's kind of it's it's a strange thing that I don't understand how how some coaches can can do so well and maybe it's just the the high you know high pressure situations that that brings out the it separates the the the, the good coaches from the great coaches um one thing that i want to ask you guys do you how much of an impact did the big 10 conference tournament have on these seedings well i think it helped out michigan state i think going into the Big Ten tournament, they were probably going to be a six seed, um, but with just because people didn't know what they were going to get yeah. with Michigan State, they had only seen a couple games uh, where finally everybody was together, and even when they were all together, they weren't always meshing and on the same uh, level. But now going through, uh, they just blew out the Big Ten in the tournament. Now they see the scary potential that Michigan State has. I think they're still underseated at a number four, and a lot of people uh, were agreeing with that too. I think I was watching the selection show, and Seth Davis said that was one of the biggest surprises he's ever seen was Michigan State being a four instead of a two or a three. So I, I think Big Ten tournament was a complete change for him, for them at least. Uh, I'm, uh, I want to know, not even just for Michigan State, I think, I think that's the one that obviously we're going to look at first. But for Wisconsin to be a two seed, for Michigan to be a two seed, after you know their performances in the tournament, it kind of makes me wonder what, how how much of an impact where would they have been if they had done better? Because it seems like a two seed to a team that played the way that Wisconsin did in the in the conference tournament. I don't. I don't know that they earned that, and I know that they had a a good record in the in the regular season, and they had you know they had a good resume, but I don't I don't see Michigan State being that far separated from those teams. What what did you think, Joe? Yeah, going off what you were saying with uh, Michigan and Wisconsin at the two seed, I think both those teams you can flip flop the two and three in that region. I think Creighton deserves the two. And I think um, Duke deserves the two over Michigan. I mean, Michigan, they they were maybe a one seed if they won that Big Ten tournament game. And I thought even if they won that game, they still didn't deserve the one seed. But I can't believe that they stayed with the two. And I don't know how after MSU wins that game and just runs up that score on them. They were clearing the benches at the end of the game. How they can stay at a two is unbelievable to me. That's uh, And that was my biggest thing, was not that... You know, I th- all year the narrative around Michigan State basketball is what can they be when they're healthy? And people have, I, I know I have, and maybe this hasn't been so much talk outside of the Michigan State circles, but my assumption has always been that 
people consider this team when healthy to be the best team in the nation. And so that's why it doesn't make any sense to me that they're considered to be that far that far down when you've got teams like Michigan and Wisconsin who recently put in poor performances and you and Michigan got exposed today. People saw if you want to beat this team, go down low. Make Jordan Morgan defend, and he's not that good a defender. My head almost exploded yesterday watching the Ohio State-Michigan game, and Dan Dockich, and I quote, I don't know, I don't understand for the life of me how this guy wasn't a Big Ten all-defensive team member. Talking about Jordan Morgan. Um, hey, Dan, that's me. I'm back here. Got a quote? Dan, right here. Yeah, I can answer. Oh, me? Okay, yeah, me. Um, he he's not a good defender. <laughs> if you watch that Mich- if you watch the Michigan Wisconsin game, he did the best impression of a revolving door guarding Frank Kaminsky that I have ever seen in my entire life. It was awful, and I and that's that's Michigan's biggest flaw for me, and that's why I I have a. I think they could make a run, but there's just so many question marks there with their ability to defend, to defend down low and their ability to get production from the post at all if GR3 checks out like he does. The biggest thing with Morgan for me is the fact that every game it seems like he's in foul trouble for them. Every game, I mean, he's always getting taken out early, and I think that's why sometimes Michigan always gets beat down low is because Beeline can't leave him in for so long because it seems like he's always got three or four fouls. Well, and that's indicative of not being a very good defender. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you're moving your feet and you play defense the right way, <laughs> i.e., Keith Appling, Gary Harris, Brandon Dawson, <laughs> Adrian Payne played some of the m- most impressive defense I've ever seen today on Walton. That was fantastic, and that's really what's driving this Michigan State team right now. And I think that's why they are so dangerous, even though they are four seed. Um. I think Michigan with uh, Morgan as the defender, I mean, I think they're really just missing McGarry down low. If they had McGarry, then maybe I think they are deserving of this two seed. But without McGarry, I don't see how down low, as we've said again and again, they just keep, they'll get beat down low. And they'll be out early if they find a big man that can take them down. I mean, team like Duke, who can face them? I mean, Jabari Parker against Morgan, possible matchup. I think Jabari would just destroy him. That would be unfair. Oh, that's that's just—it's it, that would be the matchup we'd probably see, and it would just—it would just be embarrassing for Jordan Morgan. I mean, and and who, where are you going to go after Jordan Morgan? You're putting a—you're going to put John Horford down there. You're going to put Pete Bielfeld down there. No, you, there's no stopping Jabari Parker with with that kind of defense. That would be one of those. There's there's no way Beeline could do that because that would be it would be a foul fest first. And then it would just be it would be a bloodbath. It would turn into they'd have to double team him and force them to make some shots. Well, I think what they would have to do is instead of playing the size matchup, you have to play with the athleticism, and that's where you put Glenn Robinson on uh, on Parker because otherwise, that's yeah, that would just oh my god, I I that w- I would actually feel bad for Jordan Morgan in that position because it would that would be being fed to the Lions. That would. There's just no stinking way that that works out. Um, 
what just general general things from the uh from the bracket what do you what do you guys see what's what's some stuff to look out for who's your who's your cinderella who's the team that that could come in and and pull a florida gulf coast and just really mess up some brackets and uh and cause some havoc I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Stephen F. Austin. I mean, I like I like their <laughs> matchups with VCU. They were underachieving last year in the tournament. They got knocked out early by Michigan. Now this year they got locked knocked out by St. Joe's in the A10 tournament. I like that matchup. Even though uh, Stephen F. Austin has a, RP, or a BPI of 73, not very good. They score 76 points a game. They haven't played a team in the top 25, so that's always tough to to judge. But but they just they ran through their their schedule. They haven't lost since November. They're they're hot. They can score, and I, I think they really could mess up some brackets. My two teams that I like as Cinderella stories are a team like North Dakota State. They play great defense. I think that's definitely a 12-5 matchup you should be looking at against Oklahoma. And then the winner of that game plays San Diego State, who – who, if they beat New Mexico State, that is, that I don't think is so proven. I mean, they are a good tournament team in the past, but I think North Dakota State could put up a good fight there. And then going back to the South region, I like the Pittsburgh Panthers to make a run, possibly to the Elite Eight and maybe further. I mean, I think they can take down Florida and then possibly take down some other teams of VCU and maybe um team like UCLA, and then they can see a face-up, a matchup with Syracuse, who they've played well before. I mean, Sir, Pittsburgh had Syracuse beat early in the year when they were that when then when they were the number one seed, and I think that game was in Syracuse actually, or maybe actually I think take that back. It was at, it was at Pitt. They camped out. They got some good student section there, almost <laughs> as good as MSU. But <laughs> yeah. I think Pittsburgh can make a good run. They have a very good backcourt, and like I said before, with U- UConn, you saw two years ago. If you have a good backcourt in the tournament. You can really make a run because it's all about determining the flow of the game with all the nerves and energy. I really want to say Iowa, but their biggest problem is um, uh, their big man is awful. Woodbury, I think is his name. He, I, whew, man, he's bad. Uh, I, I have I don't know man Nebraska is such a beauty pick for me right now <laughs> just because of how hot they were at the end of the year they really faltered in that Michigan game though that they didn't close that out well at all and that's that's one of my biggest concerns for them is they looked not I mean the end of that game I don't know what the heck happened I think it was they played Michigan right Mhm yeah okay like I said, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> Watched a lot of basketball, mixing up my teams at this point. But uh, I, I, I think one of the, I think the only interesting sixteen-one game is <laughs> Coastal Carolina. Not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think it's going to happen. But the reason that I want to see that one is Virginia is, I think, probably the <coughs> weakest of the one seeds. Coastal Carolina. I always buy into all the this is the first this is the first time they've ever made the tournament and i think they could come out and just say screw it we're only going to be here once let's just go out and give it a thousand percent and like i said probably not going to happen but love to see that i hope to see a a 16 upset of one at some point in my life because that's it's it's mind-blowing to me that that's never happened as as crazy as it sounds but I think my Cinderella, and they're not even really a, a big Cinderella, is uh, Providence. I think that 
that team could go on a little bit of a run. I don't know. I, I, North Carolina is just so con- inconsistent to me. I could see them faltering in a game like that. Iowa State has played some great basketball, but <coughs> I, I was like the 11 seeds for the, for the, for the, uh, for the Dance Crashers. Um, it's uh, there's just like I said, it's overwhelming, and I've only had a couple hours to stare at the bracket. So at this point, it's uh, it's kind of tough to see what we. You see anything else, Joe? I mean, I hate to rain on the parade of Michigan. We've <laughs> just been torturing them in this podcast. But <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Wofford over Michigan is a very very <laughs> possible. <laughs> I think. Okay. Led by sophomore Carl Gutrin. I mean, he averages 15 points a game. I mean, you say no, but I think Wofford is a team that we saw last year, a 15 beat a 2 with Florida Gulf Coast took down um, Georgetown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it can happen, and I think that's the most realistic matchup of a, I see of a 15 against a 2 or a 1 against a 16. I mean, I hate the rain on their parade. We've given Michigan so much, but so much hate, but I think it could happen. I'm, I'm actually... I'm going to watch that game, and I think at halftime you'll see that game will be closer than people think. The, you know what? The, what's really funny about that is just now when I was perusing the uh, the bracket for you know stuff that crazy stuff like that, I wanted to say Wofford just because I literally <laughs> never like that that team name went into my ear earlier and just went directly just out into the universe because I had to Google their. <laughs> their their school and fifteen hundred kids. It's like a high oh. school. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that would be. I I would agree with that one. I think the the other one is for my. I don't like Bo Ryan reasons. If I didn't think American University was an online school, I would put them <laughs> over Wisconsin. But I'm pretty sure that that's Devry's uh, rival campus. Oh. <laughs> Wow. And let me just say one more thing yeah, here. Dayton going against Ohio State, like we said, they have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, getting overlooked, mostly the other players that wanted to go to maybe Ohio State. I'm just looking at uh, kind of their schedule here. They beat Gonzaga, and they lost to Baylor by one. They split with St. Louis, and they beat UMass. That's that's a pretty good resume it's right there. Bad. So, uh, I mean, that if if Dayton can score, too, they're only averaging four more points in Ohio State, but if they can make Ohio State score, that that could be a, a tough matchup for them. One more thing before we wrap up here, because uh, our CD is about to run out of space. Uh, the thing that I think is, I'm just going to finish off on one Michigan State note uh, before we're done uh, making Michigan fans cry. Um <laughs> Michigan State's defense was ridiculous today. It was absolutely suffocating. And it was one of those because I was sitting there with some of my buddies watching the game, and and one of them goes, you know, Michigan people are going to say that they just had an off game. And, you know, they just didn't play well, and they – whatever. And that's part of it for sure. Their jump jump shooting was not good. They shot like 31% from the field. But – the first the first thing that I want to look at, Michigan had nine turnovers in that game. Michigan State had seven steals. That is unbelievable. To 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 have that kind of ratio where you're turning the team over nine times and seven of them you're turning it into transition points. 
I never saw what the fast break points for Michigan State was today, but I think it was somewhere probably in the 16, 18 area. I know it was up to 10 at one point, 10 to nothing. And that's what makes this Michigan State team dangerous because they do get out in transition and score so well. Um, I think it's going to be tough. Nobody wants to play Sparty right now. I can tell you that much right now. And especially their their road to the to the Final Four is outstanding. And as long as this team can avoid injuries, I can't believe I still have to say that, but it it's still a possibility that that, that could go south. Um, it's going to be a blast. And uh, who do you guys think can win, win the whole thing? I mean, am, am I going to get laughed at for saying Michigan State again? Thinking people um, that no. I'm a homer? No. Well, somebody might. But okay, well, how about a non-Michigan State pick? All right, there you around? go. Pick, so, pick somebody that's not Michigan State to win this whole shebang. Uh, I got to go with Florida. They're just so dominant Scotty Wilbekin was the SEC player of the year point guard he's just phenomenal and when you have a guy like Patrick Young who could be starting tight end for the Detroit Lions and play center for God, Florida the same me. day I mean he he's just scary good and that team just looks they just look phenomenal every time I wa- I've watched them so I don't know if, who can stop them especially in their region Joe what do you got my team I got is MSU, but the pick I'll give you besides MSU, since you all want to hear it and you heard enough about <laughs> MSU, is the Duke Blue Devils. I mean, I think Jabari Parker, we all think he's going to leave next year. He's going to make sure he doesn't get out of this tournament early, and I think he proves to some people why it's good to go to college, unlike LeBron, who didn't go to college and never got this chance in the national final, and they always compare the two. Jabari Parker wins his college title and then goes on in the future to win an NBA title. I could see, yeah, Duke's going to be a heck of a team. Um, my pick, well, I I think Michigan State definitely is is my my favorite team right now, uh, and I also think they could win the national championship, um, just because of how hot they are and it's March and and they're clicking on on all cylinders. Um, my pick other than Michigan State is Kansas. And I say Kansas because what, I think Joel Embiid's going to come back. And I think he's going to come back, and I think he's going to work the likes of – I think he will be a huge difference maker in that Syracuse game. I think his size and his athleticism, as, as difficult as that zone is, you get a guy that size and who can move the way that he can – and he's going to give that zone some fits if you can get that ball inside to him. So I'm going to go with Kansas, even though I did just say Bill Self, not a great March coach. But as I said, he's a great recruiter. And his athletes and Andrew Wiggins and, and Joel Embiid, those guys make up for a lot of his shortcomings. And I think that Kansas team is a scary, scary two-seed sitting there. I'm really glad Michigan State didn't end up in that South or the Midwest because both of those – actually, the Midwest isn't too bad, but – that that south region is that's going to that's going to pr- produce a very scary team no matter who wins it one more thing to add on to that real quick is you know we're running out of time but with Kansas as you mentioned Joel Embiid I mean I just said about Jabari Parker being the guy for Duke that can lead them the way I mean we haven't been talking too much about Andrew Wiggins who is a guy that some people think may be better than Parker I mean in the 
in the tournament game for them. He had 41 points. I don't know who that was against, but that was absolutely outstanding. And he's a guy that can also really, I think he has a chip on his shoulder. Everyone's been talking about Embiid being first overall and Jabari Parker, and it's quiet down with uh, Wiggins hasn't been talked about as much. And I think he can really get his name out there if he can lead the run for them. I I would agree with that, and that's why I think Kansas his people are sleeping on him right now because Embiid is out and they've looked not great. Um, but I think that's one team that uh, that to look out for. Jeez, oh Pete's! All right, we got to shut this down before I fall asleep on air <laughs> or say anything else stupid. Um, my name is Andrew Hayes. We should see you again next week. I don't know how we're going to work this schedule, Blake. What do you think? I don't know. We might want to do. We've basically previewed the tournament. Maybe we should do a first round preview. That's true. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. You guys stay tuned and uh, and thanks for listening, Joe. Thank you very much for stopping in and uh, and maybe if if your and our schedule allows, we'll have you back for uh, for this for the next round. Would uh, would would you would you come back? Yeah, thank you, Andrew. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed talking about it. I mean, the tournament, we, we've ran this uh, podcast so long, I just think you can always talk about the tournament. There's always topics to talk about, upsets, everything like that, Cinderella stories, so I'm ready to dance. <laughs> Clear your schedules for Thursday, everybody. Don't uh, don't get all your studying done, get all your homework done, Get uh, tell your boss that you're sick. Um, yeah, Thursday is... Thursday should be a national holiday even more so than the day after the Super Bowl in my mind because uh, nobody does any work on Thursday. Nope. and any, Nobody can be trusted who does work on the first round. And if you're in class, all you're going to see is computer screens in front of you with people streaming the game. Exactly. That's why you don't even have to bring a computer. You can, have, you can watch four games and just <laughs> sit in your seat in class. And, yep, it's, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's like Christmas and New Year's and your birthday all wrapped up into one, except there's sports and you want to pull your hair out, and at the end of the week you feel exhausted and you're drained and you can't even look at another bracket. But, for some uh, for some reason, as much as we all look at these games, I mean, last year I thought I knew it all, but the people that win, you never know, your grandma can fill out this bracket and win the thing. Oh, yeah. I, I said this in in my column that I wrote about March. You're not going to win your bracket. Anybody, <laughs> we're, I'm screwed. We're all three of us. Just be the the hour that the hour plus that we just spent talking about this has already eliminated our brackets. We're done. <laughs> I should have my little sister who doesn't watch basketball fill it out. I should just have her do it, and she would pick it based on uh, her favorite team name and her favorite team colors, and that would be fine. And she would probably win all of the stinking money because that's just how this stupid, stupid system works. But we love it, and I wouldn't have it any other way. My name is Andrew Hayes with Blake Froling and Joe Marcus. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week.